Hey guys, welcome back to Devoted Devotions. For those of you who are new, my name is Tandy. I hope you enjoy the episode. Okay, let's get into our memory verse. 2 Corinthians 12 verses 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Let's close our eyes as we invite the Holy Spirit to lead us. Heavenly Father, hallowed be your name. In humble adoration of who you are, we ask that you might pour out your Holy Spirit and lead us to all truth. May you mold us into what you want us to become. We thank you for giving us an opportunity to come to you in prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. In the previous episode, we talked about spiritual adultery, what it is and the subtle ways we get tricked into it. Anything that replaces or helps God is demonic. God doesn't protect you because you lit a candle. And if the God that you pray to needs the help of a lit candle to hear you, then he's not the God of the universe. If you haven't listened to it, you might want to go and check it out. As you can tell, this week the Bible study was about the book of Jonah. Very lovely book, short and sweet. And if you haven't read it, I do encourage you to read it for yourself. It's only four chapters long. In fact, if I was eloquent, I'd address this verse by verse, but I don't want to be here for too long. You know, my episodes aren't that long, so we'll keep it short and we'll only look at three main points. Maybe I'll throw in a bonus. First point being, other people will see God through your storm. Jonah is sent to Nineveh to prophesy about the coming judgment. And we read about how he is so reluctant to complete this task that he decides to buy a ticket. Get on a boat that is going in the opposite direction. Doing all these things to try and run away from his responsibility. Trying to run away from God. You'd assume that just because he's a prophet of God, he knows that this is impossible. Which he does because in chapter 1 verse 9, he acknowledges it. But I don't know, maybe he thought that if he left, God would send someone else to do it. Anyways, he gets on the boat, starts catching Z's, and while he's fast asleep, the Lord sends a hectic storm. The word describes it as a mighty tempest. It even says that it looked like the ship was about to be broken in half. It got so bad that the people on the ship were even like, you know what, let each man call upon their gods because at this point, I don't think we're going to make it. They even started casting lots to see whose fault the storm was. The lots fall on Jonah and they start questioning him. Who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? All this is happening during the storm and the way he introduces himself will forever amaze me. He says he's a Hebrew who fears the Lord, the God of heaven, which made the sea and the dry land. Really, Jonah, you fear the Lord God who made the sea and you chose to run away from him into the thing that he made, the thing that he owns? Okay, okay then. So it just goes to show that sometimes we know God's power, but like on a theoretical level. You believe in the God who created the universe with the word of his mouth, but do you live like it? Or do you make futile attempts to run away from him? Do you completely disregard his word, his laws, and his instructions? Sometimes we say one thing, but our lives show the complete opposite. Even Jesus said that these people worship me with their lips, but their hearts, their hearts are far from me. Jonah was literally telling these people that he fears the Lord whilst actively disobeying God because he wasn't even supposed to be there. This is an opportunity to learn, you know. 
to look at our lives to check our step are we in places that we aren't supposed to be professing to love god while living in disobedience to him but you know the god that i serve i said the god that i serve makes everything new in his time he makes everything beautiful in his time even though he wasn't supposed to be on that boat his presence there made others see the power of God. The Bible tells us that after these people heard Jonah was a child of God, they were afraid. Remember, the storm was still raging. After deliberating about the best way to handle the situation, they conclude that they should throw him overboard. And they did. And the storm ceased from raging. They uprooted the cause of the problem and the problem stopped. Chapter 1 verse 16 says that the men on the boat feared the Lord and offered sacrifices to him and made vows. Bearing witness to what God was doing in Jonah's life made these pagans see the power of God. People will see God through your storm. You know, I actually commend Jonah for acknowledging God because if any one of us was given an opportunity to introduce ourselves or tell people who we are, we'd literally go on about ourselves. You know those team building icebreakers where they make you stand up and tell everyone something interesting about yourself. And then people go up there and talk about where they're from, where they grew up, their personal achievements, career goals. How many of us would actually take that as an opportunity to acknowledge God or Jesus? While your personal achievements may be commendable, it's important to not think of who we are, but focus on whose we are. Who I belong to is more important than who I am. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let the strangers and pagans hear the name of the Lord being uttered and just tremble. May they also come to experience his redeeming power and submit to him. Psalms 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. This chapter is reminding us that you never know who is watching. That proclamation may lead unbelievers to the living God. Other people will see God through your storm. The second point being that God can use any situation to bring you closer to him. Jonah, now swallowed by a big fish and having nowhere to go, decides to humble himself to God once more. If he'd obeyed God's instruction the first time, he wouldn't be at the bottom of the ocean. But you know how stubborn people need to be told twice. I don't know about you guys, but when I read the Bible, I, I like to visualize. I just imagine this pity pity, the commotion of being interrogated on a boat during a raging storm. Imagine the nerves settling in as they discuss your fate, as they decide to throw you overboard imagine the deep breath that he had to take just before he was thrown overboard imagine the shocking chill as his body hits the cold seawater imagine him sinking lower and lower into the bottom of the sea and being swallowed by this big fish imagine being inside the belly of this big fish can you hear how quiet it is how empty it is how lonely it is this was rock bottom in this moment, Jonah has no one who can lend a hand to help him. In fact, the people that he knows don't even know that he's underwater. The only people who knew this were the strangers, but they must have assumed that he died. The word doesn't tell us, but that's not the point. The point is that right now, as Jonah is in the belly of the fish, he has no one to turn to. And in this moment, he recognizes his need to call on the name of the Lord. It's not an experience that everyone will have 
but some of you will find yourself in situations where you're drowning because of your decision and it's a very lonely place to be no human being is capable of helping you most people don't even know that you're drowning but the word is telling us that in that moment we can always call on his mighty name psalms 139 verses 8 says if i ascend into heaven you are there if i make my bed in hell behold you are there god is emphasizing how there's no height or depth that we can experience in his absence we need to call on him the same way that peter did when he saw that he was drowning he said lord save me and immediately jesus was there this is important because satan likes to make us think that we are too far away from god or that he can't hear us he makes us think that we're so dirty that we shouldn't even pray he tries to make us wallow in our sorrows or even make us too depressed to even pray the word says that nothing can separate us from the love of god don't ever let anything convince you that you cannot call on your redeemer in that moment you may be lonely but you are not alone when you finally call on him just make sure that you are ready to walk in the path that he has set for you while he's praying jonah doesn't make a request he just begins to worship gives glory to god now in those circumstances he realizes his need for god to extend mercy to him he wants to have a god of grace and compassion and he knows that his only hope is for God to save him. And God, true to form, gives him a second chance. The man who didn't want Nineveh to be given a second chance realizes that only God can give him one. It took being thrown into the sea and being swallowed by a big fish for Jonah to submit to God. What will it take for you to submit to him? God will use any situation to bring us closer to him. The third point focuses on God's role in this book. This book shows God's influence on the account. Yes, we know God is in control of everything, but like just in comparison with other books, for example, the book of Esther doesn't really mention what God is doing um, behind the scenes. I'd even go as far as to say that the book of Jonah isn't about Jonah at all. It's about God. It starts with God speaking in Jonah 1 verses 1, and ends with God speaking in chapter 4 verse 11 and you experience it in a different way when you read it with God as the main character it begins with the Lord giving Jonah a message because the wickedness of this place had come to his attention these people had distinguished themselves in wickedness this isn't Jonah's message it's God's message Jonah tries to run from it God sends a storm not a natural one, but a supernatural one. The prophet is thrown overboard and the Lord already prepared a big fish to take care of it. In the last chapter, we even see when Jonah is sitting outside the city in the sun, God sends shade, but he also sends the worm. God's role in this account is so visible. There's no way Jonah could deny that everything that was happening to him was from God. Everything Jonah went through was for the benefit of Nineveh. God wanted Nineveh to be given an opportunity to repent. And if they didn't, their sins would destroy them. God is showing us here that he will always offer us salvation before bringing judgment. And Nineveh actually repents, so all of this was worth it. All those souls were saved from God's wrath. Some people tend to question their salvation, saying that the only reason that they want to be saved is to escape hell. And you know what? 
that's a good place to start. You may actually mature to the point where you see the positive blessing of being a believer. And you may mature to the point where you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And long to honor and serve him. And the love will overpower the fear. But fear is where it begins for most of us. This speaks to the issue of evangelists preaching about God loving you with an unconditional love. They they tend to miss the point. The prophets, John the Baptist, and even Jesus himself preached repentance because the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus even says, who warned you about the coming wrath? It's important to introduce the message of grace and forgiveness by warning the sinner of his consequences for sin. Colossians 1 verse 28 says, who we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Jesus Christ. The people of Nineveh turned to God for repentance. There is no natural explanation for a massive conversion of hundreds of thousands of people. God determined for the people of Nineveh to be saved in that generation. And he used a rebellious prophet to bring a rebellious people to faith in himself. God is the ultimate hero of the story. He rescues Jonah, gives him the message, makes people hear the message and believe the message, repent and be converted. And when you break it down, it's about God as the sovereign creator. He starts the storm, prepares the fish, makes sure Jonah survives. God instructs the fish to vomit him out. God calms the sea. God sends Jonah a second time. Even the pagan sailors recognize God. God does all all of this because he has power over creation. In fact, the only person who resists God is Jonah. God is the supreme judge. This was a message of judgment. 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed by divine fury and divine wrath. The final role is that God is a gracious savior. His loving kindness is not limited by our pride and prejudice. It extends to pagans. We have sinned against our creator. Wrath and judgment has been pronounced on us. And we have been given the gospel which offers us forgiveness through faith in Jesus Christ. We see the gospel in the heart of God in the story of Jonah. The creator God sinned against, warns about judgment, and fully forgives those who repent and embrace him. And a bonus point, just because I got so carried away with this episode, I loved reading this book. God does not throw people away. We like to write people off because of what we've seen them do or because of how evil we think they are. But we don't know the state of their heart. If we truly understood how valuable the gospel is, there isn't a single soul we wouldn't tell about Jesus. In fact, this is one of the things that caused friction between Jesus and the Pharisees. They had a problem with him spending time with people they deemed as sinners or unholy. And our Savior tells them that he came to seek and save that which is lost. He even made a parable about how when one sheep is lost, the master goes out and looks for it. And you know what? We ought to praise him because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God, died for sin. God, wrapped in flesh, laid down his life and he died for sin. God himself, the blood that he shed, the life that he lived, and the death that he died, is greater than anything that you have ever done. 
Don't ever let the enemy convince you that your sin cannot be forgiven. For those of you who are Christians, is there anyone out there who you aren't willing to say those words to? Jonah had this problem. Is there anyone out there you feel doesn't deserve God's mercy? Jonah hated the Assyrians. He didn't want God's mercy to extend to them. And if we think like this, we really need to be careful. If you are unable to forgive another person, what you're really saying is that God may forgive the person that we hate. The blood of Christ himself may cover him, but I require more than that. And you may be like, yeah, but God, if I just forgive them, they're just going to turn around and do it again. Yes. And God saved you. And not everything you've done since is a shining example of goodness and righteousness. God magnified his mercy and grace. And at the sight of it, Jonah wants to die. Matthew 12 verses 39 to 41. An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And there is no sign that shall be given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. Fast forward to 41, the last sentence in verse 41. Behold, greater than Jonah is here. Christ is greater than Jonah. How? Jonah is a man. Christ is the second being of the Trinity. God says to Jonah, go to Nineveh. And Jonah is unwilling. God says to Christ, go to earth. And Christ was willing. Jonah is just a sinner saved by grace. But Christ, he's the perfect lamb of God. This book teaches us that God's mission extends and reaches beyond just Israel. Remember in Genesis when Abraham was blessed, God told him that through his seed will all the other nations be blessed. God's intention was not only to save Israel, but it was to save the other nations through Israel. When we become part of God's fold, we mustn't think that it's us against them. We need to extend the same grace and the same mercy that has been extended to us and not to exclude anyone from this promise because God does not throw people away. He will always give them a chance at salvation. So when you read this book, think of yourself as being the Ninevites. God takes the mission of salvation very seriously. If you were a Ninevite and you didn't know that the way you were headed was a path that led straight to destruction, you would appreciate someone telling you that you need to fix your ways and you need to repent. And so God does this. God makes sure that we get the message of salvation. Think of all the things that happened to Jonah just so that the Ninevites could get this message. So we have a responsibility to pass the message on. You have a responsibility to tell everyone about the gospel and to not exclude people just because you don't like them or just because they've sinned against you. In closing, while some of our storms are there to bring us back to the right path, God also uses them to reveal himself to pagans. God will use any situation to bring you back to him. And some of us have to hit our lowest before we humble ourselves to God. And he is merciful enough to give us another chance. God doesn't throw people away. He wants everyone to have life. And as followers of Christ, we should emulate this trait. We should recognize that God is the main character in our lives. This is not about us. It's about him. Dear Jesus, we humble ourselves to you. We thank you for giving us an opportunity to come to repentance. We do not deserve your grace and yet you give it to us. Thank you for the work that you have begun in us. And we ask you for the strength to hold on 
to your truth until you come again. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. And so with that being said, it's not a journey that we're on alone. We have to go through this together. Sometimes we stumble because we don't know. But I encourage you to ask the creator to show you the way. If this was relevant for you, please help more people get devoted devotions. Like and share. I would really appreciate you helping get the message out there. If you have any suggestions or topics you'd like to be discussed, please feel free to drop an email at devoteddevotions311 at gmail.com. From your host, Tandy, thank you for listening. Stay blessed.